Thank you for listening to the Grace Chapel Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Kurt Henman. For more information about our church, visit our website at gracechapel.cc or follow us on social media at Grace Chapel, Ohio. Luke 21, uh, verses 25 through 38 is our text tonight. And the title of our message is Signs of the Times, Part Four. <laughs> so we'll finish it up tonight so you can all say thank you, right? Yeah, amen. Uh, verse 25. I'm always last one there to give you a little bit more time. Luke 21, verse 25. It begins. Jesus says, and there will be, there will be what? Signs. That is, listen, Jesus is prophesying what is to come, and we've been taking a look at that. And, and so the disciples ask, you know, Jesus, well, what's that going to look like? What will be the signs of, of the things that are to come? And so then Jesus begins to give them more insight about what is going to happen between his first coming and his second coming, and we've been unpacking that the last month, and the first sign that Jesus gave him was that deception will be increasing, and we talked about that, and then he added that warfare will be increasing, and global disasters will be increasing, and persecution will be increasing, and so we unpacked all of those things. Verse 25 again. And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars. That is, we also said it's important to understand when we're looking at Jesus' words here in Luke 21, that when Jesus is speaking, there is a near fulfillment to the prophecy that he's speaking, as well as a future fulfillment. And so we've seen in Luke 21 that that near fulfillment, we saw Jerusalem destroyed and the temple destroyed in 70 AD. But he's also speaking of things yet in the future. And so listen, that's why last week we unpacked the prophetic calendar so that we could understand the times of, uh, that Jesus is speaking into in this passage. And so just for a quick review, I won't unpack it again, but just so you have a sequence in mind, listen, the next event that will happen on the prophetic calendar is the rapture of the church. When the church is raptured, the next event is the tribulation, which is seven years long. After the tribulation ends, Jesus comes back. That is called his second coming, then that enters into the time of the millennial kingdom, then the final judgment, then the new heaven and new earth. But what I want you to keep in mind for our passage tonight is the rapture, the tribulation, and the second coming of Jesus. Verse 25 and 26 here, Jesus is talking about what is going to happen in the tribulation, and that the tribulation period is going to be a very, very cataclysmic time. Let's take a look again at verse 25 and 26. And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars, and on the earth distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear 
with foreboding of what is coming on the world for the powers of the heavens will be what? Will be shaken. That is, after the rapture and before the second coming of Christ, Jesus is saying there is going to be a great tragedy happening on the earth like has never happened before or will ever happen again. It will be terrifying beyond imagination. In Matthew 24, Jesus adds that, you know, the, that the stars will fall from the sky, that the moon will be darkened, that the sun will be affected, that, that you know, the universe will be collapsing. And of course, that will affect the earth and affect the tides. And so everything will be so cataclysmic what is happening on the earth at that time, so terrifying that people will be fainting because of fear. They'll be shaking so bad they black out. Verse 25 again. And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars. Now, the Bible explains this further in the book of Revelation. And so just for example, I'm not going to go through all of them, but just for example, we'll, we'll take a look at the sun. And so keep your uh, place here, but turn to the book of Revelation, which is the last book in your Bible, Revelation chapter 16. We'll take a look at that for an example. Revelation chapter 16. And this isn't the only place it expands on it. This is just a, a sample. Revelation chapter 16, verse 8. We'll take a look at verse 8 and 9, but starting in verse 8. The fourth angel poured out his bowl. Now, this is speaking of the bowl judgments of God. That is, during the last years of the tribulation, the last three and a half years, God is going to judge a Christ-rejecting world. And he's going to pour out his wrath. And so this is one of those judgments. Verse 8 again. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and it was allowed to scorch people with what? With fire. Now listen, the sun makes up 99% of the mass in our solar system. The diameter of the sun is 860,000 miles. That is, we can put 1.3 million Earth planets within the sun. It is that vast and that large. In addition, we're located... 93 million miles from the sun. Listen, in the exact right location by the word of God. If we were any closer, we would, we would burn up. If we were any further, we would, we would freeze. In addition, the core, the the core temperature of the sun is 153 million degrees. And so it's not too hard to picture, you know, the creator of the universe, you know, maybe just kind of rolling the sun a little bit towards the earth. A little scorch there. 
Or maybe he'll, he'll just kind of turn the sun up like you would turn up your oven in your own home. No problem for God, right? Verse 9. They were scorched by the fierce heat and they cursed the name of God who had power over these plagues. They did not, what? Repent and give him glory. That's, that's a tough verse. Revelation reveals to us that we kind of have wishful thinking. Wishful thinking that, you know, if, if, if people just knew, man, if they just knew the power and righteous judgment of God, they would, they, they would turn. And yet the Bible, in particular, Revelation reveals over and over again that that's just not the case. And these people knew that this judgment upon them was from God. And listen, they don't repent. They curse God. They harden their hearts even more. Have you ever wondered, you know, what is it going to take for that person in your life to repent, to, to bow their knee to the Lord, to, to come to, to know him? What is it, what is it going to take for, for my spouse? What, what is it going to take for my child? What is it going to take for my friend or that, that person I work with? You know, man, what, what is it going to take? Have you ever wondered what it's going to take for Christians to quit playing games with God and have one foot in the world and one foot in the church? You know, what, what's it going to take for them to take seriously their relationship with God, to go all in with him, to, to realize he's, he's a holy and righteous God? You can't, you can't have one foot in and out. You know, how bad is it going to have to get before, before they turn? Turn back to Luke 21 with me. Luke 21, verse 27. Jesus continues. And then, that is after these cataclysmic judgments of God, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in what? A cloud with power and great glory. That is, you know, Jesus, what's the sign of your coming? Well, I'm coming in a cloud <laughs> with power and great glory. That, that will be an awesome sight. And listen, all will see it. <laughs> Nobody will miss it. <laughs> it's interesting as we look at the Bible, the second coming of Christ is mentioned or dealt with 1,884 times. That is one out of every 27 verses in the Bible deals with the second coming of Christ. 
In fact, for every one mention of Jesus' first coming, there are eight mentions of Jesus' second coming. That is to say, he is coming back for certain. Well, again, Revelation you know, kind of expands this second coming picture here for us a little bit. And so, for example, this is the last time I'll do this to you, by the way. Hold your place here. And let's turn back to Revelation 19. Revelation chapter 19. It expands this picture for us. Revelation 19, we'll take a look at verses 11 through 16. 19, verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. And so here we have kind of a different picture of Jesus in his second coming than the picture that we saw of him in his first coming. Remember, we saw Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, right, in in Luke 19. Remember that? But here he is coming on an animal made for war. He is riding in on a white horse. And listen, he is coming to judge, and he is coming to make war with evil and deal with it with finality. Over and done. Verse 11 again. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And that's, that's just a beautiful thing when we look at the imperfectness of our own leaders, right? That is, in in contrast to the devil who is unfaithful and the father of lies, Jesus is faithful and true, and that is so, so good to my soul, is it not? The Bible says, even when we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. It's just who he is. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. Verse 12, his eyes are like a flame of fire. (laughs) Well, listen, you ever see fire in somebody's eyes? (laughs) In your spouse? (laughs) In your parents? In your boss? (laughs) We, We know what that look is, right? Well, this is way more intense and fully righteous. Listen, Jesus' gaze is powerful and it is penetrating. Listen, nothing will be hidden. No secret will not be revealed. No deceit, no hypocrisy, no argument will stand. Everything will be humbled. Everything will be revealed by this look. Verse 12 continues. And on his head are many diadems. And so 
In the Greek, there are two words for crowns. Diadem is one of them, and diadems refer to uh, crowns of authority. That is, you know, king's crowns, and the Bible talks about crowns that we'll get. Those are more rewards like gold medals in the Olympics. And so what this is saying is that Jesus wears all the crowns because he's the king of kings. He's the one over all kingdoms, so he, he has them all. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. That is, when we come back with Jesus at this time in battle, we'll know this name, but until then, we won't know it. Verse 13. He is clothed in a robe dipped in what? In blood. We remember when Jesus came the first time that his robe was drenched in blood, right? His own blood from the scourging. And we know that the Roman soldiers, you know, divided it up and then began to cast lots for it. You know, they, they gambled for who was going to get the pieces of his robe. Here in the second coming, we have a picture of Jesus as a fierce warrior and the point of this is to point to the unbelievable carnage that will happen at the Battle of Armageddon. It will be so intense that the blood will flow deep enough and high enough that on horseback his robe will be stained with blood. That's the point. We're talking about real people. We're talking about a real war that will happen on earth. Verse 13. And the name by which, is, which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. Well, here's a beautiful thing. Well, who are these white linen, pure people on horses behind him, riding with him into battle? Well, listen, friends, that's you and me. (laughs) That is, when Jesus comes back riding on his white horse to war, we will be riding with him. And So that means Desiree needs to give us all horse lessons. So she's going to send out a sign-up, see, (laughs) to teach us how to ride so we don't fall off on this thing. So verse 15, from his mouth comes a sharp sword. Now, a sword is the symbol for the word of God in the Bible. And so listen, this won't be a long war. Jesus is going to speak, and this thing will be over before it begins. Boom. And with, with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. Yes, God is a God of wrath. He will deal with evil. Listen, he's provided every way for us to escape, but make no mistake, I don't back off from that. God is a God of justice. He will deal with evil. 
On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We'll turn back with me to Luke 21, and I promise we won't leave again. Luke 21, verse 28. Jesus is speaking here again. Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is what? Drawing near. That is Jesus is saying, listen, if you responded to Jesus' first coming, then you're going to be with him in his second coming. But if you have not responded to Jesus' first coming, then listen, you need to turn. You need to repent. That is, today is the day of salvation. Now is the time to respond to Jesus. Listen, not to put it off. Not to get involved with the pleasures of this world. Not to get involved with what everyone else is living with. Now is the time to get right with God. And so listen, that is why Jesus is telling us this. He's telling us, look look at what is happening now. Look at what is to come. Listen, see the signs Time is short. It is time to turn now and be saved because when I come, I'm coming in judgment. But right now is a time of grace. Right now is a time of mercy. Come to me. Receive my forgiveness. Take my way out. I will rescue you if you only turn to me. But don't wait. That's what Jesus is saying and ultimately saying, listen, if you're saved, look up. (laughs) Look up because your redemption is drawing near. Listen, when we look in, we get depressed, right? You're not going to find anything looking in here. Just a wicked heart and confusion. When we look out at the world, we just get distressed. I mean, it's like, It's crazy out there. And so Jesus says, hey, look up. Your king is coming. Your your redemption, it's near. It's near. Verse 29. And he told him a parable. Listen, look at a fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, You see for yourselves and know that the summer is already what? Near. That he's saying, listen, we can look at the trees and and we can determine what the season is. That is, listen, the leaves are falling. I've already picked them up twice and my yard is full. And so we know it's fall. And Jesus is saying here that when you see the trees budding, you you know it's summertime. You know the fruit is coming. It is easy to see. Verse 31. So also, that is in the same way that we can know the season by looking at the signs on the trees, we can discern the times that we are living in by looking at the signs that Jesus has given to us in this passage. 
So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is what? Is near. Truly I say to you, this generation. Well, what generation? Well, the generation that sees those signs happening in their life. Well, the question comes, are we that generation? Maybe. Listen, all I know is that I definitely see the signs. I mean, it could slow down and we could have some time, but no doubt we're seeing the signs. We, we are definitely close. Will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will what? Pass away. But my words will not pass away. That is, the word of God is sure and is eternal. And listen, the the ground that you're depending on to sit on right now, the air that you're breathing on right now, it's going to pass away. That is, we tend to think, you know, what's real is what I see, what I taste, what I can touch. We look around and we say, this is reality. And and Jesus says, oh, no, it's going to pass. But there's one thing that will never change. And there's one thing that truly is reality and sure, and that is, that is my word. And so... That is to say this, listen, build your life on the promises of God. They are sure. They are steadfast. They are eternal. You can stand on the word of God and not be shaken. Verse 31, or 34, excuse me. Verse 34. But watch, who? Yourselves. (laughs) That is, Jesus is warning me, he is warning you that uh, something's coming. We we need to be aware of this. This is something we're all going to face. This is something that's all going to be pulling at all of us. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation. That is simply indulging in the pleasures of this world. That's what dissipation is. And so listen, that can be different for different people. We all have the things that pull us in this world, pleasures that speak to us more than others. But whatever it is that would take the place of Jesus being first, take the place of Jesus being the one that we run to, take the place of Jesus being our comfort, take the place of Jesus being our security, take the place of Jesus being our... Anything else that we are running to would be dissipation. It's, it's out of line. It may be a good thing that becomes an idol. And drunkenness, that is any spirit any influence that is controlling my life other than the Holy Spirit, right? And cares of this life. That's, that's worry, right? 
Worry and fear over COVID. Worry and fear over what's going to happen in the future. Worry and fear over what we're going to lose. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. And so Jesus is saying, listen, all these temptations come knocking at all of us, right? Anybody? Am I the only one? All these temptations come knocking at us, but he's saying something extra here. He's saying in the last days, they're going to come knocking a lot louder. And so be aware. Be, be watchful. Know the schemes of your enemy. These, these things are going to, to knock loudly. I mean, haven't we seen these words of Jesus kind of play out a little bit more in the last year and a half? Haven't we seen church members or former church members ruin or in their, they're in the process of ruining their lives by yielding to these temptations? And yet the truth of the matter, we... We are all pulled by these. Let, let, let me throw us all in the boat. I mean, how easy is it to worry right now about what is happening? <laughs> Jesus is warning us here, be ready. Be ready because, you know, listen, when, when our affections are in this life, when my affections are, are in this world, when my hope is in this world, then then I take my eyes off of Jesus and, and, and I'm not looking to him and, and I become weighed down by sin because I'm, I'm living here. I'm, I'm, I'm living horizontally. I'm not living vertically. And so Jesus warns us, listen, keep watch over your life. Keep watch because these temptations, when there's pressure and that pressure increases, this is what's going to come knocking for you to cave. So guard yourselves. And so I would ask us tonight, you know, it, it's a constant process of, of staying close to Jesus. And the key thing is when we fail in one of these areas that we get back up and start moving forward quickly, that we don't get stuck. And so I would ask us tonight, listen, where's your heart? Really? What are you really loving? What do you really want? Who do you really love? Where's your heart? Is Jesus the flame of your heart? Do you love him first and foremost? You, you feel it, you're committed to him. Where are your eyes? What are you looking at? Fix your eyes on Jesus so that you can have strength and hope and life now and listen, you won't be surprised when Jesus returns because your heart is weighed down and blinded 
my sin. That's what Jesus is saying. Verse 35. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place. Now, some people, I mean, have you ever heard this? People say, you know, you Christians who believe in the rapture, man, you're just a bunch of escape artists. You just want to get out of hard times. You, you just want to take the easy way out, to which I say, yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's me. In fact, Jesus says here, but stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things. So listen, I'm just going to do what Jesus said. I'm, I'm going to believe what Jesus says. I'm going to pray for strength to escape. That is, I'm, I'm going to pray that I persevere in my faith to the end. I'm going to pray that I keep my eyes fixed on Jesus so when the rapture comes, I go with him and I'm not left behind in my sin. Verse 36 again. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. And every day, he, that is Jesus, was teaching in the temple. But at night he went out and lodged on the mount called Olivet. And early in the morning, all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. That is all the way to the end. In Jesus' final days, he was about his father's business. Isn't that amazing? Uh, Jesus didn't think about himself. You know, I, I think about what we would do. You know, he, he, he wasn't partying because time was short, you know. I'm going to make the most of what I got. I'm going to blow it out, man. I'm going to go to Las Vegas. I'm going to do it up. He wasn't throwing a pity party. Man, I'm dying young. I've never been married. I've never accomplished my dreams. This isn't fair. He was thinking about others. He was thinking about those to whom he wanted to save. And so listen, that is to be our heart as well. L listen, we will be raptured. What a comfort. What a promise. And listen, until that time he is with us and for us, we just sang that, he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And so listen, that is to free us up. The reason Jesus says all that and says, hey, I will be with you, I will take care of you, free you up so that you are about your Father's business until I come again. Just like Jesus. Jesus lived out what he taught all the way to the end. And so we're here until Jesus comes, listen, to win the lost. We're here to save as many people as possible. 
We're here on a rescue mission because when Jesus comes again, it's all over. It's judgment after that. Now is the time of grace. Now is the time of mercy. But there's a time where Jesus will say enough, enough. I'm going to deal with evil once and for all. And so listen, we need to be about, we need to be about sharing Jesus, talking about Jesus, living like Jesus. And so we do it together as well, not only individually, but together. And, and so we, we say around here all the time, you know, the difference between a growing church and a non-growing church is one word, and that word is invite. And I've been telling you at no other time in our existence as a church has that been so significant. At no other time is it so, so important that you and I individually step out and be the vessels that God uses to introduce people to Jesus. And, you know, so maybe one of those steps is inviting them to church. And maybe one of, them, one of those steps is inviting them tomorrow to Fall Fest. You know, that's an easy thing to invite someone to. And our hope is that that event just kind of gets people out of their COVID coma and you know, gets people to see that church people are normal. It's just kind of a bridge for them to maybe see the love of Christ and we might have the other opportunity to speak further into their life. That's the whole point of that. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more sermons like this, visit us online at gracechapel.cc.